Well, let's get straight into our thinking point today. And it's really centered around what to do about bullying in schools and how to manage bullying in schools. And I wonder how you as parents, as adults, if you have young people in your life, how you advise them around responding to bullying in school because it takes place in different types and different forms and unfortunately with social media being you know um being used across the board and having multiple platforms much of the bullying that young people go through now is not just limited to school grounds it continues even after school on some of these platforms and it exacerbates then the mental conditions of of many of these young people who simply feel like, well, I actually don't know how to break out of um, the cycle that I'm in. I I feel like I'm not good enough. I'm constantly being told that I'm not good enough and therefore my life is not worth it. And many then struggle with these feelings of suicide. And the latest case that we have is of a grade 10 learner at Bishow High School who committed suicide after being victimized by other learners. Lalita Nago is uh, believed to have swallowed pesticide and died in hospital last week. Parents and learners picketed outside the school on Monday and they demanded that the Department of Education take action. Stanley Malimaja is an attorney at the Center for Child Law. Stanley, good morning and thank you so much for your time today. Morning, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Good, thanks. It's, it's, it's a difficult issue that schools are having to um, respond to, and, and that's bullying that takes place on school grounds. I, mm. I imagine that part of the difficulty is that sometimes bullying doesn't begin no end at school. What mm. then are the realistic expectations to have on schools in terms of how they can be intervening? Mm, mm. I think that is, that is a really important question. And, you know, the, the issue here is that uh, bullying and violence against children, it knows no boundaries, right? Because it happens in places where children should be most protected. And this is at their homes um, or schools and online. So the measures that we need to take, I think the first step is to try and conscientize um, um, the relevant stakeholders. And I'm referring in terms of schools, I'm referring to the teachers, I'm referring to the to, to the learners themselves, and I'm referring to the SGB and the teachers' unions as well, is to try and conscientize them and raise awareness um, of uh, the rights of children as enshrined in the Constitution and um, in, um, you know, the, the Children's Act, uh, 38 of 2005. You know, unfortunately, people can make, um, you know, uh, um, suggestions that, uh, you know, policies must be in place. You know, we do have policies in place, but the the reality is that a policy is just as good as its implementation. It doesn't help to have a policy that speaks to bullying, and at the same time, that very same policy is not being implemented. And, you know, in the the recent um, said cases that, you know, one of the, 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 the approaches or the resolutions that one can take towards bullying is that um, you know, try and tell someone. You know, when children are at school, 
Um, the first people they would think about uh, to or to tell when they are experiencing bullying and violence is the teachers. And when the teachers are themselves the perpetrators of bullying and violence, it really becomes difficult uh, for the child. And I think the most important point that I need to raise in terms of uh, um, bullying and violence in schools is that, you know, teachers must know that they are in local parentis. They need to understand that immediately when the child enters the schoolyard or when a parent drops off a, a child at school, teachers assume some parenting responsibility. They do not. Their responsibility does not only end up at teaching. They resume a parenting, a local parenting responsibility where they need to make sure that for the duration that the child is in school, they make sure that they safeguard the interests of the child and the well-being of the child. And this goes to the core of trying by all means to protect all children within school premises against bullying and violence. We're going to continue our conversation with Stanley Malimaja, attorney at the Centre for Child Law. It's 9.30. Nomsam Luli standing by with your latest headlines. Nomsa, good morning. In the headlines, uh, Newcastle Mayor Dr. Ntutugo Mhlaba has been sentenced to a fine of 20,000 rand or two years imprisonment in the Newcastle Regional Court. He was convicted of incitement to commit assault in terms of the Rioters' Assemblies Act. It is related to an incident that took place in Newcastle last year. The ANC in Gauteng says despite losing the province's metros to the DEA through the support of other parties, it will keep a close eye on service delivery performance. And a man in Missouri who was wrongfully convicted of a triple murder in 1978 and imprisoned for more than 42 years has been exonerated and released. I'll have more on these and other stories at 10. Across South Africa, online and on radio. SAFM, let's talk. Kathy Motlatana on SAFM. We continue the conversation with Stanley Malimaja, attorney at the Center for Child Law. Our thinking point today is centering on how schools can intervene when it comes to bullying. How should they be managing these um, these incidents? And, you know, managing the incidents actually sounds somewhat wrong to me because it means that if we're managing it, it means that we're creating room for for bullying to, to even exist in the first place. So, Stanley, mm. you, talk, you talk about the increased role that teachers should step into when um, they are responding and dealing with learners. And, you know, by and large, I don't think that teachers necessarily have their hearts in, in the right place. I mean, do you think that there are specific things that are not being done correctly and how can that be changed? Yeah, you know, I, I think um, for, for, for a matter of fairness, and, and here, you know, um, we, we are dealing with the, the, the interest of children and, you know, the the, the the provisions of the Children's Act um, and uh, Section 28 of the Constitution will tell us that um, when we are dealing with a matter concerning a child, the child's um, interests are of paramount importance. Mm-hmm. So without any, you know, trying to sound uh, bias against teachers. I think they also need some level of training mm. um, when they they, they, they they deal with children. And this is where we call in the department, you know, try and have 
a form of training for the for, for the teachers, for their staff, because teachers are the staff of the Department of Education. They need to conscientize and they need to make them aware that, you know, bullying is alive. And, you know, with the recent case, because it's, it's really painful that this child was bullied, uh, you know, based on uh, um, a cultural belief, you know, and this is... It's a constitutionally guaranteed right. We are in a diverse society. People have the right to practice whatever cultural practice that they feel comfortable with. Now, to come and bully a child because of their cultural belief, now, that is very wrong. That is, you know, it goes against the Constitution. Not only does it go against the best interest of the child, but it goes against the cornerstone of the Constitution, which is the Bill of Rights. And immediately when we have a school or a teacher who doesn't understand that, then it, mm. it, it's really a problem. It's a problem, and I think we need to go back to the drawing board and say, what is it that is lacking? Because I think, you know, sometimes it's unfair to speak in absentia of um, 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 a relevant stakeholder, and I think maybe teachers should have been invited or their union should have been invited. For them to explain to us where are the gaps and where can mm. we assist uh, in filling in, the, in those gaps? Do they understand? Do they understand that they are dealing on a day-to-day basis with the most vulnerable people in society? And to make matters worse, when it comes to girl children, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors that can lead to one being discriminated or one being bullied. You know, your gender, your race your cultural background, your your ethnicity, all those um, identity politics can be used against a person to bully them or to, uh, you know, to met um, some violence against them. So that's why we really need to start having this conversation because we cannot have children taking their own lives mm. because they are being bullied. It is, look, to the highest extent, not only are we failing children, but we are failing as a country because we have ratified a number of international treaties, a number of uh, um, regional laws that speak to the protection and the well-being of children. So we are failing not only on a domestic level, not only at a bishop level, but we are failing at an international level. And we sure. need as a society to try by all means to protect our children due to their age, their level of maturity and vulnerability. We are, we have a duty, a legal one to begin with and a moral one All to right. protect children against violence and bullying. Uh, Stanley, before we continue, um, I, I just want for the benefit of our listeners, because I realized that I didn't mention it in, in the beginning. So um, Lalita Nago, at least as has been described by her grandmother, had a spiritual calling and she had uh, then said this or expressed this uh, to some of her friends at school. And what subsequently happened is that she was called a witch, at least this is what is being alleged by her mm. family she was called a witch by a teacher and some of her peers uh, the teacher is said to be a born-again Christian and is against traditional beliefs effectively and that seems to have been what drove um, what 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 drove the bullying that Lalita had experienced, and uh, she she of course had told some of her peers about the dreams she had had about them and what she had seen 
in mm. their futures effectively. And 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 mm. so you know, Stanley, I want to come back to, to to this issue. If a, a learner is being failed by the system. What mm. is it? Because parents are not in classrooms. Guardians are not in classrooms. So they'll never know what they don't know. But mm. what is it that they can be doing in the safe spaces of their homes to be able to ensure and to, to be able to support um, their children who might be facing different types of, of, of bullying at schools but are, are not yet able to fully say what mm. they're going through? Yeah, Kathy, that is a, a good question and yet a difficult one to respond to uh, because it, it bears no legal response, right? But what, what I can encourage, what I can encourage is that parents should try to talk to their children more often. It is very important for a parent to ask, how was your day at school? I think that's where, you know, that's, you know, that, that is a stepping, you know, it's a stepping block that we can, we can try and use to say, how was your day at school? What happened during lunch? What happened during this class? You know, and, you know, I do understand, you know, with, with all the, the anxiety that has been caused by COVID, with parents losing their jobs, with parents not, you know, earning the, the type of income that they used to earn. You know, it, it's really difficult to try and manage, uh, you know, the family and domestic life and also just trying to keep the household running. But it, it's a really serious issue. Parents need to start talking to their children. How was your day? And also, I think parents do have a responsibility here. If a child, and, and I'll, I'll make an example with this uh, recent um, unfortunate case, I think parents should try and make sure that the school knows about the development of the child. And by development of the child, I mean, nobody, uh, nobody just wakes up in the morning and say. I, I want a calling. It's something that happens. It's in our African culture. It is embedded in our DNA. So parents need to try and communicate with the school. This is what my child is going through at, the, at, the, at this moment. And can you please do not discriminate against my child on this ground? And you know what is the interesting case is that the South African Schools Act, it tells us that no school may discriminate especially in terms of admission, may discriminate against a child on any of the following grounds. And it includes, you know, a cultural belief or a cultural background, right? So what I want to mention is that that responsibility not to discriminate against children, it does not only end at admission when you're admitting the child into a school. It should be a continuous Mm -hmm. responsibility. It should be continuous. A child may be admitted, and when the child is busy in school and, you know, they, they'll get their they calling. We can't control that. That discrimination needs to stop. Okay. And, yeah. Okay, Stanley, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there for this morning. Uh, Stanley Malimaja is an attorney at the Center for Child Law. That's part of what he has had to say. How do you as parents respond to um, bullying, cases of bullying at schools when your children report it to you? 
What do you do about it? How do you handle it? I'd love to hear from you. Of course, in this particular instance, we now have calls being made for the teacher here uh, to be uh, expelled or to be fired uh, from the school. And also, uh, they're seeking the expulsion of the learners that also contributed to this bullying. I'll take your calls on 011 714 2006. Patrick, you're up first when we continue.